You guys, have you ever been in the middle of a story and you didn't quite know how it started and you weren't quite sure how it was going to end? Like you maybe even came into the middle of a movie. Has that ever experienced, have you ever experienced that at all? Have you ever felt like that when you've gone to church? <laughs> I have a dear friend of mine who came a little while back, and he's like, it was all cool and everything. just didn't really understand anything you guys were talking about. I was like, and that was still cool? He's like, yeah, actually, no, it wasn't that cool. I don't want that to be what you're experiencing today. But I can't actually erase the fact that we're at the end of the year, and we've been in a year-long theme of what Jesus said. We're looking at what he said and what he did from his word. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the Gospels, and that's where we've been teaching out of the whole year. There's been a lot of different places that we've gone to in the Bible as well, but we've been focusing on that. Because what Jesus said for Christians is life. What Jesus said for the rest of the world is optional. They think, meh, he might have been a good teacher. He might have even been a miracle worker. He might have even died and rose from the dead. But what he said, do we even know it's really what he said? And how do we know it's what he said? I won't be able to explain all that to you other than to say he had it written down. As early as 15 years after he died and rose from the dead. People started writing down books of the Bible, the New Testament. These are records from eyewitness accounts of who Jesus is and was. And so we believe that. And we don't want just to say Merry Christmas. We want to say Jesus is a big deal all the time. Because we actually believe that he is. But we live in the same world that you live in. And we feel like we're in the middle of a spot, right? We're like, what is this? Where are we? God, if you're so good, then why? We could fill in the blanks, and maybe you can really help me really quick. God, if you're so good, then why? Why what? Suffering. Why suffering? What, what else? Death. Did some death? Did somebody say COVID? <laughs> I, I man, don't disagree. Comfort? Oh, why hunger? Yeah. I was like, why comfort? Let's be thankful for that. But you said hunger. All right. Why do people starve? Why literally within feet of this church who loves the community and gives to the community are people suffering, hungering, stuck? God, if you're so good, why? Why? And that causes us a lot of different things. It causes us doubt. Like I said to you before, we're nearing the end of this year, and we're also nearing the end of this particular series called Peace Be With You. Jesus had some parting words for his people. I'm going to give you a little bit of Jesus at the beginning of his life, but we're going to end today's service and mostly focus on when he died. That's what he came for. He came to live a life that we couldn't live and to die a death that we could die, but not buy what his death could buy. His death paid for our sin debt, 
And if we're ready to receive, then we can be set free from that sin debt and all of the consequences that come with it. And there's nobody who could meet that but him. And he's not expecting you to be perfect. He's expecting you. He's expecting me to receive what he gave. So a little while ago, John and I were talking about what do we want to do for the Christmas series? And I was like, do we jump away and just do all the Christmas stuff and even what Jesus would say about his birth and all that? But the more we talked about it, it's like, gosh, we're nearing the end of the year. Let's do his farewell messages. What he said at the end of his time here. So I don't know about you, but recently, and it, whew, it chokes me up. But recently, I've been super raw and aware of suffering. And I don't like turn my head and hope it goes away, but I can't make it all go away. I have family and friends that this time of the year is their least favorite time of the year. It's not the most. They endure it. They don't enjoy it. And mostly because of suffering. Some of the suffering that's going on overseas or across the street but a lot of it is the suffering that's going on inside of them, things that they've experienced. Peace with them, they don't really feel a whole lot of peace. They feel a lot of pain, discouragement. And for me, that's just weird because I love life. I suffer. A long time ago, I found out that all the things that happened to me when I was growing up and all the choices that I made off of those things that happened to me I should actually be dead or in prison. There's all these different studies, and there's this ACE thing that you find out, and if you got three out of so many or five or whatever, you're, it's just you're lucky to be alive. And I'm here to tell you, I didn't get what I deserved. I got grace instead. Amen. I got kindness instead. I got new beginning instead. I got new creation instead, and that all came. And comes from Jesus. And so though I suffer and though I struggle and though I look at the pain that goes on around me and don't want to pretend like it doesn't exist, I actually have confidence. I have hope like Patrick just talked about. And he's a living hope. His name is Jesus. There's so much evidence outside of the Bible for the historical Jesus. There's so much evidence that what he said and what he did was real. And so again, if I just get to Jesus' parting words, he knew he was leaving. He knew that it was time for him to go. And so he didn't say, here's my bucket list. I really, really want to be able to go back to Capernaum. It was so gorgeous there. You know what I love to do is get myself out to Disney World that doesn't even exist yet. His bucket list was for us. This is what I want for you. I want life for you. I want you to share the good news. And I'll share a whole lot more about all of this next week, but I'll say this. His bucket list, his parting words were to love and to serve, were to receive his help. And what we're going to talk about today is to move from doubt to belief.
With that, let's go to a very familiar Christmas story. We're going to go to Luke 2, 8 through 20. As you're turning there, I want to let you know that Luke wasn't actually one of Jesus's eyewitness apostles or disciples. Luke interviewed a bunch of people. He was most likely a Gentile, a, non, a non-Jew. What he did was, as a doctor, he came to Christ, had this wonderful experience with God and his people, and he wanted to write the story of Jesus. And he actually had a guy named Theophilus pay for him to do all of the research. And he wrote the books Luke and Acts off of that. And in the new year, we're going to be looking at Acts a bit and Romans and stuff. It'll be really exciting. But for now, Luke 2, he's giving this great treatise on who Jesus is, and he talks about his birth. And in Luke 2, 8, Jesus has been born already. He's in a manger, no room at the inn, all the different things you've heard the nativity scenes that you've set up, I'm not here to blow those up. I don't necessarily think all of it is 100% accurate, but I wasn't fully there. But I can tell you this much, Jesus was born, and he was born in a real humble way. He didn't go to the palace, he didn't go to the temple. He wasn't even born in a nice house. At best, He was born in a spare room that would have been used for birthing or caring for animals. And he was placed in a manger. Just recently, my daughter was offered three different cribs for a baby that isn't even born yet. And Jesus didn't even have a crib much less three. That's humble, you guys. He knows you. He sees you. He understands you. Maybe even more than you see and understand yourselves. But with that, now it gets to this announcement of his birth, and that sounds pretty spectacular. Like we would assume the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, would be announced. Check this out. Luke 2. We'll go 8 through 20. And in the same region, which was Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. I can tell you the truth. So often I've heard that shepherds were maligned and marginalized in their community. And I've really looked into that a bunch this last year. I've been part of the reason why some people have thought that, because I told them that. There's nowhere in the Bible where shepherds are marginalized except in Egypt. In Israel, it was a good blue-collar job. Do you know that God calls himself a shepherd? Do you know that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd? It's a humble job, but it's a good job. It's a legit job. It's a get-your-hands-dirty kind of job. I've heard, oh, well, they couldn't even testify in court. I can't find that anywhere except way afterwards 
where people said that's how that worked, but there's nothing in the Bible for that. What there is is that shepherds were hardworking. They were normal people. They actually were raising up in that community lambs that would be used for sacrifice, among other things, wool and milk and meat. But they were just everyday workers. And they're just doing their job out in the field. We just sang that it was so cold and deep. I don't know. It could have been summer. <gasps> Wait a minute. Jesus was born in the summer? Maybe. I don't want to ruin December 25th for you. I love that the church said, hey, look, there's all kinds of people that are celebrating this nasty Roman holiday. Let's take that and point them to Jesus during the winter solstice. Most of you have no clue about Saturnella, but you know about Christmas because the people did work. They pointed people to Jesus. See, he changes everything, everything. And so he was born, and there was so much that we would have done differently about that. But since we're not God, let's look at how he announced it, and let's look at how people moved in their faith. So in that same region, there's shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. They didn't say, oh, Jacob, that's weird. Do you see an angel? Or is that just the hummus that we had? <laughs> hey, do you see the lights up there? Or do I need to get more water? Am I dehydrated? No, man, they saw it and they were freaked out. Okay, there's an angel and he appears there. The glory of the Lord shone around them. Normal guys. And they're filled with great fear. And the angel said to him, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for, come on church, all the people. Good news, great joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Talked about this a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to belabor it. I'm just going to say Savior and Lord. You need both, and Jesus is both. He may not be your Savior or Lord, but here's a great invitation. Trust him today. Come to him today. How do you know that you got tonight? I asked you what your plans were. You didn't say, I don't know. You guys have plans, but you don't know for sure that they're going down that way. I hope they do. I hope they're better than you planned. But Savior and Lord, that's Jesus. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. Everybody's got a Lord, and most of us choose it to be ourselves. I've got a great plan for my life. Really quick, how many of you graduated college? How many of you are working in the area that you got your degree in? That's most of you. You're rare. Most people go to college get their degree, and do something entirely different. That's just one plan. 
How many of you had a five-year plan on when you are going to have a baby and God went like this? <laughs> How many of you planned to do all kinds of things for Christmas and still are waiting to get most of those done? This is just normal everyday stuff. You're not the Lord. And if you are, you're not a very good one. Well, that's just rude. <laughs> Merry Christmas, I'm rude. <laughs> Did you expect anything else? <laughs> I just want to be honest to God. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there is with that angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, What just happened? No, they took note, they believed it, and then they said, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I love it. We were told it, so let's go, let's see what God has made known to us. Their faith had been boosted that day. And it caused them to do something about it, friends. It caused them to go and to see. They wanted to know what God had made known to them. They wanted to see it in person. But good news, he wasn't in it. He's him. And then they went. I love this. Go, see, went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. Now, we just read it. I know you've probably read it a bunch of times, and it's Christmas time. We've got a little interactive time. What was made known to them? Savior. Jesus' birth. There's a Savior. He's going to be born. In a, manger. In a manger. Which would have been no kind of shock to these guys. They're shepherds. They understand this whole idea about a feeding trough and where animals could be brought inside to take care of them at night, which is likely where Jesus was born. And so they go, and they see it, and they make it known that, man, we were told that the Savior is going to be born, and here he is. They didn't keep it to themselves at all. As a matter of fact, same day. Bleh, they got to get it out. You ever been so excited that you can't keep something to yourself? I'm watching it happen on the daily in my household during Christmas. <laughs> we do this thing like Secret Santa with the siblings and their spouses. And they're like, <laughs> I just wanted to give you this. You're not supposed to know. It's, it's in the title, friend. <laughs> Secret Santa. They're just so excited. I'm to tell you. You got good news. You don't keep it to yourself. Unless some of you are a little, I don't know, superstitious. 
You don't want to jinx it. So you're going to keep it to yourself. But when you're really excited about something, you tell people. It moves you. You can't keep it to yourself. So they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning Jesus. And in verse 18, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, that's his mama, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Let's go see. There was all kinds of action and reaction to the action that God showed them. You guys, this is sweet. These are just dudes that are brought in right in the beginning of the story, and they're so excited, and they return praising, glorifying, honoring the Lord. They're excited about what they saw. But as you get near the end of Jesus' life, and literally after he died, his disciples were doubting. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know if you feel marginalized. I don't know if you've seen so much pain. I don't know if you're going through some kind of loss right now that just feels so oppressive. I don't know if you're just feeling depressed, anxious. You got your hair real nice today, and then the wind said, <laughs> same. You know what I'm saying? I just like, feel the whole thing. I joke, but there's a lot of people in here. It's not funny. They're hurting. And doubt more than belief is what they're feeling during Christmas time. And I'll say to you that you have a group of people that Jesus poured into, lived with for three years. They saw him do all kinds of amazing things. And he called a shot on a lot of it. But on him dying and then rising from the dead three days later, he made that announcement three distinct times. But there was prophecy for it a bunch before those guys ever even met Jesus. And they still doubted. And so to finish the rest of this, let's go to the end of Jesus' life. After he dies, actually, and he rises from the dead. We're going to go to Luke 24. 36 through 43, we've skipped over so much, I guess you're going to have to go read it. <laughs> so from one end of the book of Luke to the other end, and we're talking about from doubt to belief. Jesus wanted to take them from doubting to believing because he knew that they would struggle. By the time we pick up the story again, already in progress, Jesus, this is him showing himself at minimum the third time to people. Likely, it's more like the fourth time. He's already showed himself to Mary Magdalene. He showed himself likely to Peter. He showed himself for sure to two disciples that were walking on the road. This is a fat scene. I wish I could unpack all of it for you. But they're walking, and Jesus just kind of shows up with them, and they don't recognize it as Jesus. He's like, what you doing, friends? What you talking about? I'm like, uh, what? Well, I mean, are you new? Because 
There is this Savior, we thought, and he died. But then our people said that they saw him, and we're just not sure what to believe about it. And Jesus walks with them a little bit, and then he starts explaining to them from the beginning of the Bible to that point who he was and how all those scriptures pointed to him, and he still doesn't let them know that it's him. And then he unpacks it for them in such a way that they see that it's him, and their hearts are burning inside of them, and they're so excited, and they go and tell their friends, and Jesus is gone. Kind of like, boogie, boogie, in and out. And it almost feels like he's playing games. And again, I think that some of you might be feeling that in your own life. Like, God, where are you at? Why do you keep kind of showing up? Or sometimes you show up exactly like I hoped you would. Or, or would you open my eyes in a way that really makes it seem like you're really there? And he does things that just kind of feel like that's not how I would do it. If I may remind you, you and I aren't God. He does things the way he does. And they're unmistakably him. And this is yet another time. Luke 24, 36. And so everybody's talking about all these things that we were just talking about. And Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. <laughs> You're going to need that when somebody just shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit, which is another word for ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? This is just some easy preaching, so I'm just going to ask to whoever needs to hear it. Why are you troubled? Why are there doubts in your heart? This is a legit question. And then he goes on to explain to them. And he offers peace to them. And then he says, why are you troubled? Why do you have doubts in your hearts? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. I'm not a ghost. I'm your Lord. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy, more on that in a minute, and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? I've been dead for a couple of days. <laughs> Be good to have a little something to eat. There's more to that, you guys. He says, peace to you. Why are you troubled? Touch my hands and my feet. See that it's me. And they're still like tripping like, what? It's too good to be true. Can't believe it. And he's like, all right. Give me something to eat. This would show them that he was real. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And my Bible has a little footnote that says, and some honeycomb. Jesus kind of got a little bit of a deal there. Like dinner and dessert. <laughs> How sweet. Literally, honeycomb. It's sweet. 
he took it and he ate it before them. Hmm. I want to ask you something. When was the last time you heard the good news of Jesus Christ and thought, that's too good to be true? When was the last time you heard that God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son? When was the last time you heard somebody say, he's going to make it all work out for the good? When was the last time you heard somebody say, look, I know this seems really bad now, but it's not always going to be this way? And you and your mind are like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. You know how many times people have said to me, please don't tell me all of that. I don't know if I believe it. And many times I'll be like, okay, but I'm not going to tell you I don't believe it. That would be a lie. I'm not going to tell you that it's not true because that would be a lie, but I'm not going to shove it down your throat. And I'll sit here with you and I'll try to be quiet with you. But at the end of the day, the only thing that I have is to point you to the one who is actually too good not to be true. This is Christmas for goodness sake. If we can't talk about the good news of Jesus and be very, very straightforward with it in a dark, nasty spot of life like we're living in now, not just what's going on in Israel and Gaza and all of that, or what's going on in parts of Africa or parts of Asia, but what's going on across the street right over here, what's going on in your homes right now, we've got to be able to speak the truth. Well, it's too good to be true. If it was so good, then why? Then why? Then why? Ask the question and then come back to the fact that God is never, ever bad. He's never, ever bad. They couldn't believe it. They literally are seeing it in front of their very eyes, which you and I would be like, all right, God, if you want to do that, then I'll believe. I'm a show me kind of guy. I'm a show me kind of gal. I need you to actually just show up. If you showed up and showed me where, you know, you got pierced, then I'm your girl. I'm your guy. Hey, if you just come through and you make my mom feel better, you come through and you heal my grandmother, you come through and you pay my bills, you come through and you fix my family, I'm all yours. All yours. didn't think so okay I'm gonna go with me because the suffering because the hunger because the pain and the agony doesn't stop do you know that on the night that Jesus was born there was tons of other cities that had no clue he was born do you know that in the book of John it says that he came to the darkness, and the darkness didn't even recognize him. But for those who would, he's life. You get to receive him or not. You can disbelieve for joy, which is a really cool statement. It's basically saying, I can't quite believe my eyes. I can't quite believe that God has come through for me in the ways that he has. I can't quite believe that he's come through for so many of you that I know your stories in the way that he has. And yet I can't help it. I got to believe I'm marveling at it and I get up front and I get to talk about it. 
Let me give you the rest of the story really quick. Luke 24, 44 through 49. Remember when we last saw Jesus? He was eating fish and honey. Come a weird combo. I might try it someday. So then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets, so that's their Bible and the Psalms, must be fulfilled. The Old Testament, everything written about him. I don't know if you know this, but from Genesis to Revelation, it's this thread about Jesus, God's love through Jesus, for Jesus, with Jesus. It points to Jesus. And in Revelation, it ends with no ending about Jesus. And he was saying, look, all this has to happen. Everything written about me was to happen, and it did. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Listen close, friends. And that repentance, that means turning away from, turning back from your sins, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem where they were at. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Lots more about that next week. But this whole idea is that he's like, look, I want you to go and tell the good news. Do you remember what did, what did the shepherds do when they heard the good news? They went to check it out. It was real. And then they went for a couple beers. What did they do? They went and told people. This is kind of this whole thing. God wants you to spread the word. You hear the good news. You believe the good news. You share the good news. So why were there reasons to believe for these guys? We have a little bit of time, very little bit of time. One of the classes is empty, and so we're in here, so I'm not going to rush you to baby boy. I'm not going to rush you. Some of you are like, gosh, but I've got plans. (laughs) Me too. Okay, but here it is. What were their reasons to believe? What reasons did Jesus give them to believe? Just a, a quick little survey in your brain about what just happened, what we just read. So you can maybe remember it. And maybe even borrow some of these reasons to believe when you're struggling with belief, because we all have doubt. Hi. I'm just going to drink some of this right here. What are, what are the reasons to believe? What's that? What they could see. That's good. What they could touch. When we don't see and we don't touch, we get to see and touch all kinds of different things, but... Yeah, Jesus, physically, not in front of us like that. Scripture's told all about it. He unpacked all that. Like, look, not all of you can be able to see this, but all of you can believe it. And I got a record. <laughs> Literally, it's got receipts. <laughs> what else? Say it again. Amen. The angels. Open their minds to the scriptures. 
I remember reading the Bible when I was, I don't know, 13, 14, and going, huh? This is weird. When I was 19, it was amazing how much my mind had changed, how much the Lord had opened my eyes. Anything else? You must have felt it somehow. Sometimes it's hard to explain or defend even your faith. But a changed life, that's hard to fake. You can around certain people, but a changed life, transformed life. I'm going to bring you to one more interaction after this one. Another time where Jesus shows up to his buddies. This time it's at the end of the book of John. We're going to go to John 20. It's 24 through 31. Now we have a couple of Thomases here. I just want you to know that I'm not saying that you're doubting Thomas. But this is where we get the name from. Is right here. John 20, 24. Look for some reasons to believe. And look for doubt changing to belief. And Merry Christmas. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin or Didymus, and just kind of a little personal note, that's John's name in my phone, because John's a twin. And I have about 75 different Johns in my phone. But I only have one Didymus. So he was not with them when Jesus came, this last one that we read. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. They're just telling him, we saw him. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and I place my hand in his side, like, unless I see it, I'm not going to believe it. If I don't put my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I'll never believe I got to see it to believe it. Eight days after that, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, I just got a quick little thing, and I know we only have a little bit of time, but why do you lock your doors when you're in there? Keep people out. And locks only keep honest people honest. We've been robbed multiple times with our doors locked. The reality is, they were trying to lock the doors, and Jesus, get right past your lock, bro. (laughs) And all the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Here again, when he gets past the locked door without kicking it down, without using a key, he just comes right in. Peace be with you is important. These are some of his final parting words, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, hey, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. This is an invitation for all of us, by the way, church. Do not disbelieve, but believe. If, will you let him? If he comes up here to me, will you let him? Either I'll take whoever. All right. Hi. We're going to hang out. Did you want to come up too? You want to come up? Come on up, buddy. 
All right, ready? One, two, three. Say hi. Merry Christmas. Okay, guys, here we go. And he says to Thomas, put your finger here, put your hand here. Don't disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. He wasn't cussing. He was worshiping. Oh, man, I was so wrong. You are my Lord. You are my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Move from doubt to belief today, friend. How can you move towards Jesus? First of all, some of you need to just come to him flat out. Surrender, submit, confess. Okay, this is what happens after a while. Kids just take the mic. Oh, wait a minute. That's my mom and dad. I can see it. It's happening. <laughs> I'm see mom. All right. It was a moment, though. Thank you so much. As soon as I love it, they're like, oh, okay, this is fun. Wait, that's my mom and dad. <laughs> they moved from belief to disbelief. <laughs> it's okay. We'll work on it together, you guys. You guys, repentance means that you turn directions. You're headed one way, one thought process, one perspective, and you turn to another. Your mind changes, your perspective changes. Jesus says, believe, repent, confess. Romans 10 says, if you do so, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. Hallelujah. Merry Christmas. Be saved. Watch your journey change. You're all on a journey. So don't disbelieve, but believe. Some of you are like, I'm not quite there yet, man, but I did come to church. My spouse invited me. Well, good job. And thanks for coming. Maybe your step is to ask God to open your eyes. God, if you're there, open my eyes, my ears, my heart. Many of you have already done that. But now your repentance is a little bit different. You need to repent because of a lack of belief, a lack of fellowship, a lack of being in the word, a lack of being in a spot where you have to trust God. You just keep trying to make it all work out for yourself. You've been disobedient. You've been lazy. You need to come to Jesus. You need to see him. You need to trust him. You need to obey him. So that's your step to move towards him. And then quite a few of you are at a spot where, look, I've already come to Christ. I actually believe him. How do I move towards Jesus? Well, he's going to keep making you more like him since you're not him. But here's one for you this morning. Be like the shepherds. Tell people the good news. Don't keep it to yourself. I don't mind if it's posting. That's cool, but proclaim his good news. Grow an understanding of his word personally and with others and make it known. Have some real genuine conversations with people. 
I was really excited to hear that my family was going to come to church today. And then their flight got canceled. And they were going to surprise me, but I'm here to tell you, the surprise wasn't so much that they were coming. The surprise, and it wasn't the best one, was that they weren't able to make it. But the joy was that they can't wait to see us. And you know what tomorrow's going to be when I see them? A little abbreviated message for them. (laughs) So I'd encourage them. I want peace to be with them. I want them to know the shalom of Jesus. Hey, guys, thank you for taking time. There's so many other things that Jesus could be calling you to to move towards him, but it's salvation, it's sanctification, being made holy, being like him. And then it's proclamation, it's proclaiming him, it's telling the good news. So go from this amazing place to the other amazing place you're going to go to and proclaim his good news. Celebrate. Look, I am wearing all this not just because I'm goofy. It's worth celebrating. And I cannot wait because next hour I'm untucking this shirt. (laughs) You saw saw the suspenders. Samuel saw them. It's probably, they may not be around. Or I might drop them down and look like a harness. (laughs) And that's okay too. You guys, you take time to pray with me and then I will get you out the door. (laughs) Or off the floor. You guys, thank you so much for being here. Everybody in the back. Thanks for being online with us, too. We love you. Jesus loves you. Father, today and every day, I rejoice in the fact that you are God and we are not. I rejoice in the fact that you made this day and we can be happy, we can be blessed, we can celebrate. And we can also be sad, we can be bummed out, we can be discouraged, we can even be angry, and we don't have to have all those things and sin in it. We can actually give it to you and watch you shape us and change us and Give us that perspective to move from doubt to belief. God, would you help us to count the cost of what it would mean to move from doubt, from disbelief to belief? And for many of us, Lord, we're already there. We're already in the belief. We're already walking with you. May we celebrate how good and faithful you are by proclaiming your good news to those who haven't quite got it yet. And even encouraging those who do get it, but have lost sight. God, you're awesome. We love you. Praise you. Thank you for sending your one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I pray this in your perfect name. Amen.